Well, today, um, as, as always, I'm going well, to start out with a question, and it's always an easy question. You don't even have to be a Christian to get, I mean, you can't get this right or wrong. It's, it's you. Um, and I want you to notice my hand is up, so I'm not asking this question in judgment or condemnation. It's just a fact. How many people in this room have ever quit a diet or an exercise program? Would you raise your hand? Raise your, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, that's all of us. <laughs> yeah, this guy raised both hands. I, me too, me too. Um, I, I can't tell you the number of programs that I've, I've quit. Um, it, it's, it's always, it, I've tried everything. The protein plan, the you-can-eat-anything-you-want plan, um, the exercise-for-two-seconds plan. And don't you always see the before and after pictures, and you're like, oh, my God. And I've, tell, I've told people, I modeled for years. I don't know if you knew this. I was the before picture. Um, they always took me for the before picture. But um, I, I couldn't achieve the goal. I, I couldn't get that change. And a lot of times, when we don't see change, we just quit, right? It's like, I, I, I'm not seeing any change. How long have you been doing it? Three days, and I haven't seen any change. I don't look a thing like the guy or the girl in, in the picture. And I realized for years that I kept trying for change, and because I wasn't seeing the change that I wanted to see, I just gave up. Now, I've wrestled with body image issues my whole life. I used to wear a size 50 in the waist, okay? And I've had people go, well, you're tall. No, 50, that's humongous, all right? I was humongous. But, and, and, but I finally began to lose weight. I began to get nutrition and thing. And what happened was I stopped focusing on change. And I started thinking, well, let me just get up tomorrow and do the next right thing. And when I started looking at making progress over making change, eventually making progress led to the change that I wanted to see. So, for example, this morning I got up and I ran seven miles. Now, I bet there are people here going, I wish I could get up and run seven miles. No, you don't. No, you don't, or you would have got up this morning and ran a half a mile or a quarter mile. You'd have done something. You, 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 can't, you can't sit on your ass <laughs> and experience any change or make any progress. It, and, and there are too many people today in, in church world, listen, we're so discouraged because somebody pointed at you and told you, you need to change. You need to quit doing this. You need to start doing this. You need to stop doing this. And hey, maybe they were right. But they, they wanted change. And because we didn't change automatically, or we get discouraged because we couldn't make the change that we wanted to see. And it seems like things are always like they used to be. We, we, we couldn't make the change, so we got discouraged and quit. But what if it wasn't about the change? What if it was about just getting up every single day and doing the next right thing? What if it was about like getting up and just taking your next step? What if it was about getting up and making progress and eventually as we get up and do the next right thing over and over and over again, we look back and we're not the person that we used to be. Change came because we embraced progress, not just striving for change. So today we're going to pick up the story in Ruth chapter 2, and I want to do a really quick review um, to catch everybody up, and maybe if you're not here, this is just a really quick review of the past two weeks. In Ruth chapter 1, there's a guy named Elimelech, and he lives in Bethlehem, but there's a famine in Bethlehem, so Elimelech takes his whole family, and they go to a place to live, and who can tell me on three where they went to live? One, two, three? Moab. Moab. Yeah, let me tell you a little something about the Moabites. I hadn't told you all this. Have you, how many people in the room, I know I ask a lot of questions, but it keeps you involved. Um, 
how many of you in the room have ever done like the ancestry.com or the 23andMe, like finding out where you, where you came from? All right. I, I've never done that. And there's a reason why. I, I don't want to know. <laughs> like the stuff I do know horrifies me. All right. So I'm convinced that, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to know. Well, it was the same thing with the Moabites. Nobody in Moab was like doing Ancestry.com because they knew where they came from. Let me just give you a little bit of history of how the Moabite nation got started. In, in Genesis 18, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. If you know anything about the Bible, you've read that. God rained down fire and Lot's wife turned around, became a pillar of salt. And, um, and then Lot wound up in a cave and his daughters got him drunk and had sex with him. For those of y'all that think the Bible is boring, that's, the, just, that's just in the first 18 chapters. I mean, Jerry Springer is embarrassed over this, okay? Well, Lot had sex with his oldest daughter, and when she, got preg when she got pregnant by her dad, that child was named Moab. And then he went and formed like a nation. So Moab was started because a girl had sex with a father while he was wasted. You think you got family issues? Like that's, that's bad. So, and then later on, as the Israelites are trying to come into the nation of, of Israel, as they're trying to take over the land, the Moabites seduced the Israelites. Some of the Moabite women seduced the men. And it, I mean, it got bad. I mean, God started to kill them. I mean, it was, it was horrible. So Moab had a reputation for like sexual immorality on steroids. So when the Bible says that they went to Moab, I mean, it was like what happens in Moab stays in Moab because nobody, nobody that went to Moab came back. Like once you went to Moab, you couldn't come back to Bethlehem. So they go to Moab, and, and the Bible says they settled there. We read that in Ruth chapter 1. You know, we're going to stay for a little while. Okay, well, it's not that bad. Okay, we're building a house. And so they, they settled in Moab, and then Elimelech died. So Naomi, the wife, didn't know what to do, so she marries off her two sons to two Moabite women. Moabite women. These are not, the Bible specifically says, don't marry the Moabite women. And what they do? They marry the Moabite women. Now, before we judge them, how many of us have ever done something that the Bible said not to do? That would be everybody. Okay, yeah, half the people raising their hand, the other people, I'm just good, I'm just awesome. I practice holiness. <laughs> you know, just come on stage, we'll sing a song to you, all right? <laughs> so so they, they married, they married, they did something the Bible said not to do. Like God said, don't do that. And they did it. And then the two sons died. So then you got Naomi stuck with Ruth and Orpah. Remember what we said last week? They started walking back to Bethlehem because she heard that God was at work. So Naomi said, I'm going back to Bethlehem, which took so much courage, especially when she had been where she was. And Ruth started going with her, and Orpah started going with her. But remember, they got to the crossroads, and Ruth turned around and said, y'all don't have to go. And Orpah said, peace, and she was out. And Ruth said, I'm not leaving. I'm going Now, let me ask you this question. How difficult do you think it was for a Moabite woman to walk into Bethlehem? I mean, we're talking that this is like the most unchurched person on the planet walking into church. I mean, do you think people talked about her, yes or no? Yes, because religion hadn't changed that much in like thousands of years. 
You think people stared, yes or no? You think people scratched their head, yes or no? So that's where we pick up the story. Last week they showed up, remember? And everybody's like, Naomi, you're awesome. It's good to see you. She said, don't call me Naomi, call me bitter. They were like, oh, snap, okay, we'll be that way then. But she was allowed to be honest. And then that's where we're going to pick up the story. They just got back to Bethlehem. They're hanging out. Ruth chapter 2, verse 1 says this. I love this because it introduces a name. Now, there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz. Don't you love that name? Boaz. Like if you name your son Boaz, he's going to get a Division I scholarship just because of his name. Boaz. Love that. So, so he, and he was wealthy and influential. He was wealthy and influential. Ruth, Ruth, who eventually meets Boaz and they get married, and that's not a spoiler alert, you knew that, but they eventually get married. What are two things that Ruth did not have when she walked into Bethlehem? Wealth and influence. How many of you know that sometimes God will not give you what you're asking for, but he'll connect you with someone that has it? That's why connections are so important. Because sometimes we're asking God for things and God says, I'm going to give it to you through somebody else. That's the way it works. And so God was going to connect Ruth, who did not have wealth and influence, with a man named Boaz, who had wealth and influence. Now, this is where it gets great. This whole, we're going to go through all of chapter 2, so you've got to listen fast, okay? You've got to listen fast today. Here we go. One day, Ruth, the Moabite, okay, let's talk about this for a second. I don't know who wrote the book of Ruth, but, but why we got to keep bringing this up? Why we got to keep bringing She's from Moab, Ruth the Moabite. How would you love it if somebody introduced you according to where you came from every time? Oh, hey, this is Carrie the Crackhead. This is, this is Alan the alcoholic. This is, this, this is like Pete the pervert. Like, this is like, like you just keep going and go. I'm just trying to think of things that started with the same name. Um, but, but how would you love that? How would you love to be introduced to other people by the worst season of your life? I mean, I mean, just saying, hypothetically, I know a little something about this. It's not very. And, and, and for some reason, we've got to keep bringing up that Ruth was from Moab. Now, was she still in Moab, yes or no? No, she wasn't in Moab, but people referred to her as, it, well, you know, there's Ruth. She came from Moab. Y'all know what they said about people from Moab. That, why, why are we bringing this up? Why are we bringing it up? I'll tell you why in a little while. One day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Now, let me pause real quick and say, in the book of Leviticus, at least twice in the book of Leviticus, the Israelites are told, as you're harvesting your fields, don't harvest it all. Leave some for the poor people so the poor people can, like, get up and go and get some of the stuff that you leave behind. And so if you were poor in that society, you knew that when they harvested the field, they would harvest like 90% or 85% and leave some, and you could go and get something to provide for yourself and for your family. And here's what's crazy. The only way that Ruth knew that 
was Naomi had to have told her at some point. So Naomi, as we said last week, even though she was empty, she still had something deep inside of her that she was able to tell this woman from Moab about the things of God. And when Ruth hears about it, she, she said, let me go. Now, don't you love that attitude? She could have said, oh, no, I've came far. I, I came from Moab to Bethlehem, and I'm in church, and I'm just going to let go and let God. What the freak does that mean anyway? It just it doesn't make any sense. She said, no. If there's an opportunity for me to actually take a step forward and to make some progress, I'm going to make progress. I'm not going to sit on my ass in the house and, and do nothing. I'm, go, I'm going to take a step. I'm going to move. Nothing may change, but at least I'm not just sitting here waiting on something to happen. I'm going to make some progress. I want to go out in the field. I want, I want to go work in the harvest fields. Now, the, the, Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened... She found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, as it happened. She just happened to go. How many of you know that when you're walking with Jesus, nothing just happens? Nothing just happens. See, some people would look at Ruth and go, oh, she's so lucky. You know what luck is? It's when hard work meets opportunity. That's what luck is. Luck is when hard work meets opportunity. See, if Ruth had decided to sit on her ass and stay in the house and not do anything, she never winds up in the field of Boaz. But when she decides to take her next step, she decides to keep walking, even though she's got every reason to be discouraged, even though she's got every reason to doubt that she'll ever have anything great because of where she came from and where she is. She said, you know what? I'm not going to let doubt I'm not going to let discouragement keep me in the house. I'm going to keep walking. And as it happened, she just wound up in Boaz's field. Some, some of the best blessings that God has ever brought into our life are the blessings we didn't even see coming. We didn't even see them coming. It just, it just happened. You know why it was happening? Because we were just doing the next right thing. Just trying to walk with Jesus. <laughs> this next part. Some of y'all going to go to work tomorrow. Imagine this happening at your job. Watch this. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. Is that going to happen at your job tomorrow? Like you get there in the morning, your boss going to roll in and go, Hey, everybody, Lord be with you. Because if that happened to y'all, y'all be like, Look at this guy, drug tested. The Lord be with you. But this is, Boaz was wealthy and he was influential. He had a great reputation. I can just see him. He rolls up in the Escalade. He's got his sunglasses. He gets out and he looks at all his people and is like, the Lord be with you. And th their response was, the, the Lord bless you. That's not happening at anybody's job tomorrow. Not even second chance. Not even our staff meeting. We don't even start it out that way. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. Like that's not, but... But Boaz has this great reputation. He's a godly man. And then watch what happens next. Because who's working in this field? What's her name? Ruth is working in this field. And then Boaz asks his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? 
Now, this is a big deal because Boaz has been at this for a long time. He's seen lots of women in the field. He's like, okay, this is good. This, I, how you doing? Sarah, how you doing? It's good to see you. Hope your mom and them's doing good. It's good. It's awesome. Hey, 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 how you doing? This is, oh, snap. Whoa. Who? Who is that? Now, ladies, let me explain something to you about Ruth. She was what you call a hot mess. The reason I say that is because some of y'all say you're a hot mess and you're not. You took that selfie, but it took you 45 minutes to take the selfie that said you're the hot mess. You're not a hot mess. You're in your leggings. You have a shirt on that you bought from Target that says Wine Wednesday. You did your makeup about halfway. You watched a yoga video. And you're sitting on your couch going, hashtag Wine Wednesday, hot mess. You're not a hot mess. Ruth was a hot mess. She's out in the field, working, sweating, no makeup, hair stuck to her head, matted, didn't even shave her legs that morning. She, I mean, she's, she's pitting out on her dress right here, right? It's just nasty, probably smelt like boy, like, like just, I mean, it just wasn't good. Bo no, notice this. Boaz didn't notice her when she looked hot. Boaz noticed her when she was a mess. But in this story, don't miss this, Boaz is the Christ figure. Understand something about Jesus. Jesus didn't notice you when you had your stuff together. Jesus noticed you, and Jesus noticed me. Jesus noticed us when we were a mess, when we were nasty, when we were dirty, when we were gross. Jesus didn't say, hey, clean up and come back to me. Jesus said, hey, that person right there, that's who I want, the messy one. Boaz was like, man, she hot. Hey, baby. Before he started to drop game, his friends ju jumped in. They're like, hey, 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 hey. Um, she's the young woman from. <sighs> there it is again. You ever feel like you can't get past what you did? You ever feel like you can't get past it? I, I know what this is like. Hey, Boaz, um, like we, we checked her out too. I mean, she's hot, but. Uh, She's from Moab. You know what they say about those Moabite women? I mean, you know. She came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters, and she's been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. Does it seem like they were stalking her a little bit? Yes or no? Just go ahead and say yes. We have stalked her, and she's hot, but she's from Moab. Yeah, yeah, we just... We don't, we, don't, we don't feel good about it because she's from, she's got a reputation. But watch what happens. Because most people will be like, oh, she's from Moab. <laughs> Can't be messing with those Moabite women. Boaz doesn't flinch. Watch what happens. Boaz went over to Ruth and said, listen, my daughter. That, that's cool. He didn't say, listen, Moabitess. He could have, right? He'd have been right. 
listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind, stay right behind the young women working in my field. And all his people were like, He'd been hitting the bottle early. I don't know. He's talking, to, he's talking to the Moabite. Why did Boaz not even flinch when he found out that Ruth was from Moab, the place where the women, you know, were? They did what Moabite women did. Well, I'll tell you why. I did a little research because this kind of confused me a little bit, but it's really cool. When the Israelites were first coming in to the promised land, they, they had to fight a battle in Joshua chapter 5 and 6. And the first city that they were going to overtake was the city of, does anybody remember? Jericho. Jericho. Yeah, the last service, nobody knew. I had nobody in the last service that read their Bible. It was amazing. But thank you so much. So they fought the battle of Jericho. Now, the battle of Jericho is interesting because they didn't really fight. They just walked around the city. But remember they, that, that um, Joshua sent two spies into the city of Jericho, and they wound up at Rahab's house. Does anybody remember what Rahab did for an occupation? Anybody? Prostitute, yeah. Anybody want to talk about the fact how two spies just happened to wind up at the prostitute's house? Anybody want to talk about that? Anybody want to unpack that story? It's like, oh, oh, it's nice to see you. What do you do? Oh, you're a hoe. Okay. <laughs> We didn't know. <laughs> Let's go. Anyway, so that, I, I, I don't know that's how it went down, but, but I'm sure there was some of that going on. But remember, they told Rahab, they said, listen, if you don't tell anybody that we were here and, and you get some people and we will protect you. Like when all the walls fall and everybody dies, you'll be protected. And when the Israelites came in, they marched around the city and the walls came down, who, like Rahab did not die. She was protected. The prostitute lived. Okay. But then she married, it's kind of funny, she married an Israelite man. And Rahab and this Israelite man had a son. And they named him Boaz. So Boaz, because of the way he grew up, knew about women who had a past. He had heard people say the same things about his mother that they were saying about Ruth. But he had a heart of empathy and he had a heart of compassion because he had been there. So when people were trying to talk smack about Ruth, it didn't stop him at all. He still pursued her even though she came from Moab. Here's what's beautiful about that. Jesus knows about your past. Jesus knows about what you did. Not just 10 years ago, but like last night. And he still pursues you because he's, he was fully God but fully man. He knows what it's like to experience the temptations that we face. Therefore, he's able to empathize with us in our toughest times. We see that happening right here in the story. And he goes and he says, he goes, hey, stay in my field. That's about all the game he's got. It's decent. He's been on the shelf for a while, and most scholars say he's about 80 at this point. Most people have never seen an 80-year-old man spit game. <laughs> Please don't email me about your husband that's 80 spitting game this week because, <laughs> dear God, throw up in my mouth. Anyway, there's... See which part of the field they are harvesting, and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. 
And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Is he interested in Ruth? Yes or no? Yeah. He's like, listen, I told those boys, I told them boys, listen, if they say something to you, you I, I will handle business. I will protect you and I'll refresh you. You just stay in my field, which that's the message that Jesus has for somebody today. Hey, if you'll just keep moving, I'll protect you and I'll refresh you. Jesus said, just stay in my field. Don't go to another field. If you'll stay walking with me, if you'll do the next right thing, I'll protect you and I'll refresh you. Isn't that a great promise? Then, then this is what happens next. Watch this. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I am only a foreigner. This is, this is kind of heartbreaking when you look at it. She's trying to talk herself out of the blessing because she had accepted the labels that everybody else had put on her. She's asking, why would you be this good to me? She couldn't even say it. She couldn't even say, I'm from Moab. She, she had to say foreigner. She, was, she felt so much shame because of where she came from and what she had done that she tried to push the blessings that Boaz wanted to bring into her life away. I wonder how many times we do that. We try to talk God out of what he's trying to put into our lives because we say we're not worthy. <laughs> None of us are. But that's what she's doing right here. She, she pushes back and is like, I don't, I don't really understand. Yeah, I know. He said, I know where you're from. I know all about it. Isn't that great that God, listen, I want to say this, and the last time I said this, I didn't say this in the last service, but the last time I said this, it caused a lot of controversy, so I want to say it again. <laughs> you may disagree with me theologically, and that's fine, because I have this microphone, and I'll be up here next Sunday, and you won't have one. <laughs> You've never disappointed God. Never. If you could disappoint God, that would mean you could surprise him. If you could surprise him, he wouldn't be all-knowing. If he's not all-knowing, he's not worthy of our worship. So that thing that you did, God knew you were going to do it before he created you, created you anyway, and went ahead and arranged for the payment to be made for what he knew you were going to do. That's called grace. So for those of you in this room that think you've disappointed God, you're not that good. You can't disappoint the one who knew everything about you, knows everything about you, and loves you anyway. Man, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to this one. Hits it. What about you? Yeah, what about it? all the internet people? You probably are. You have to, you disappointed me. Anyway, <laughs> I know about everything you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. Notice this. Notice this. When, he, when Boaz said, I also know about, do you think her heart began to sink a little bit? But then he says, everything you have done for your mother-in-law. In other words, he goes, I, I, I'm not talking about what happened. I'm not talking about your history. Ruth, I'm talking about your destiny. I, I know what you did, but I also know what you've been doing. 
I know what you did for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. Ruth, I know what happened. I know where you come from, but Ruth, I also see what you're doing. And because of what you're doing, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. I don't care where you came from. I see what you're doing, and what you're doing is the reason I'm approaching you to bless you. This is crazy. And then next... May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. In other words, he said, listen, you you came from Moab, but now you're in Bethlehem, the house of Moab. Now you are in the place that God wants you to be. And hey, Ruth, I'm just saying, God has a plan for your life. Now, I know I got some single girls in the room, and you're like, where are these men? trying to find my Boaz. Where's my Boaz? Well, I've read this before, but I thought it was worthy to bring up again. For the girls that you're waiting on your Boaz, got some advice for you. Check this out. Ruth waited patiently for Boaz. While you were waiting on your Boaz, don't settle for any of his relatives. Broke as, Poaz, lying as, cheating as, locked up as, good for nothing as, lazy as, and especially his third cousin beating your ass. Wait on your Boaz and make sure he respects your ass. We good? All right. I need a second to recover. Yeah, you, some of y'all try not to laugh, but that was funny. That was funny. Watch this. I hope I continue to please you, sir. I hope I continue to please you. That was, that was what she said. She's like, okay, I'm beginning to see this. I hope I continue to please you. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. Once again, she's trying to disqualify herself. I'm not, I don't really belong here. I'm not one of your workers. You're being, I don't understand. And that's what we do sometimes. We try to disqualify ourselves when God's trying to bless us. And we're like, no, I don't deserve it. Newsflash, nobody deserves it. That's why it's called grace. This is a great, incredible thing. Now, this is what this this next this next picture is breathtaking. Like in preparation over the past few weeks, this has got me. At mealtime, Boaz called to her. So this is kind of like their first date, right? First date, it's a meal. Come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread. In the sour wine. Now, don't miss this. Boaz is the Christ figure, right? He's, he's the Christ figure in this story. So here you have the Christ figure calling not to a religious person, but to a very immoral, irreligious person. As far from God as you could get. The Christ figure calls to her and says, I want you to come to the table. And when you get to the table, help yourself. We're going to have some bread, and we're going to have some wine. We'll have bread, and we'll have wine. What, what two elements did they use to celebrate the Passover? Was it bread and wine? What do we use to celebrate the Lord's Supper? Is it bread and wine? Yeah. Even the most immoral, disqualified faraway person on the planet was welcome at the table with Jesus. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer. 
Let's say you got arrested for DUI this past Friday. You got stopped, you got arrested for DUI. And yesterday, it hit the paper, and it hit social media, and it exploded. Your story, for whatever reason. Would you have felt comfortable coming to church today? I hope the answer is yes. I hope the answer is yes. I hope the answer is always yes. See, some people would have felt shame. Some people would have felt embarrassed. Some people, well, they're going to judge me. The only people that would judge you are people that don't want you to find out what their ass did this weekend. <laughs> so, <laughs> all I'm saying is we get so obsessed over image in church world. But if we let go of our image and we go, you know what? I just want to walk with Jesus. I want to do the next right thing. And as I embrace getting up every day and doing the next right thing, progress, eventually he's the one that transforms me into who I need to be. We can't change ourselves, But as we walk with Jesus, he brings about the change that we could have never brought about in ourselves. I love the fact that he invites her to have bread and wine. So she sat with his harvesters. And Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. Don't you love that? Isn't this a great story? And it gets better. Watch this. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her. And this is where it gets crazy. And pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. In other words, I, guys, I want y'all to go in front of her and I want you to drop handfuls on purpose. She, she's not going to know where they came from, but I know where they came from. You know where they came from. Just drop handfuls on purpose. And can you imagine Ruth? She gets back out there and she starts working. And sometimes you had to work like for, for an hour or two just to get a handful off. So she starts walking up and Here's a handful. Boy, how do, I, how, do I get, how do I get this? And how do I get this? And how do I get this? And she just keeps receiving blessing after blessing at handfuls on purpose. Had she stayed in the house, had she not been willing to walk, had she cried and screamed and been the victim, instead of getting up and walking out, listen, we can be the victims. But you've heard me say it before. I'll say it again till the day I die. Victims never walk in victory. You can have people feel sorry for you, but you'll be stuck. I don't want to be stuck in a place where people feel sorry for me. I want to get up, do the next right thing, because what I've discovered about my life and other people that are willing to get up and do the next right thing, and there's somebody in this room, you're getting ready to experience handfuls of blessing. You didn't even know they were coming. You didn't even know they were possible. You didn't even know that you could be blessed in that way. But I'm telling you, when you're willing to walk with Jesus and just do the next right thing, he brings handfuls of blessing, handfuls on purpose. You didn't plan on them, but the best blessings we've ever received are the ones we never saw coming to begin with. So I love that. He said, just, just leave handfuls on purpose and don't give her a hard time. You better keep your hands off of her. Love that. So Ruth gathered barley there all day, and when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. Now to us, that don't mean anything, but this was, this was an abundant harvest so she goes back home to naomi she's like i got i got to tell somebody have you ever been like that god's blessed you so much you got to tell somebody but you ever noticed you got to watch who you tell because there are some people that try to try to talk you out of your blessing there's some people try to beat the blessing out of you 
That's why you got to be careful about who you start sharing your blessing with. You got to be careful, right? Because you, you know those Anyway, <clears throat> another message, another time. She carried it back to town and showed it to her mother-in-law, Ruth, and also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from a meal. Where did you gather all this grain today? See, Naomi knew. Girl, you didn't accomplish this by yourself. That's how you know when you're starting to get blessed by God. As people will look at you and go, you ain't that good. Like so, something is happening in your life. And they know that you could have never, listen, when you begin walking with Jesus, you begin to just do the next right thing, you'll begin to do things and people will look at you and go, what's going on with you? And that's our opportunity to just talk about how good God's been to us because that's what she did. Naomi asked, where did you, where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you because, girl, you didn't get this on your own. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, the man I worked with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Now, don't miss next week, y'all. Next week, it's going to be straight up scandalous. There's some stuff that happens in Ruth 3 that I can't even explain. I'm going to give you a couple options to let you pick for yourself. Bible commentators don't even agree on it. I'm just, mm. for those of y'all that think the Bible is boring, don't miss next week. Oh, by the way, for the person that's been really wrestling with a step of faith and you just hadn't found the courage to take it, don't miss next week. Don't miss next week. Then Ruth said, what's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. He wants me to keep coming back. Like, it wasn't just a one-time thing. He wants me to keep coming and working in his field. That's what Jesus wants. He wants us to continually walk with him. He wants us to continually, when I say work with him as he leads us, we just say yes to the next place. Because as we do, we just start picking up handfuls on purpose. I'm telling you, there is abundant blessings. It don't always fit. Listen, I'm not saying she didn't have to work. Was it still hot outside? Yes or no? Yeah, did she still sweat? Yes or no? Do you think her feet got tired every once in a while? Yes or no? Yes, but she was still willing to do the next right thing. And this is what happens. I love the way this ends. Good, Naomi said. Do as he said, my daughter. Stay with his young men, women right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. Don't miss this phrase. Stay with his young women. Now, the women that worked in Boaz's field were Jewish. That meant they, they came from a very religious background. Ruth was a Moabite. Based on what you know about religious people, do you think that the religious people in the field talked smack about Ruth? Yes or no? Of course they did. Can you, like, here comes Ruth and she's working. She's, see, did you see her? You know where she's from? Oh, you know what they say about the Moabite women. Mm hmm. Know a man that went, started messing around with a Moabite. Got some mosquito bites. <laughs> and it was, so these women are talking junk about Ruth, but she just keeps walking. 
They're trying to tear her down, but she just keeps walking. They're trying to get her to pretty much go out back to Moab. She just keeps walking. Every day, she walked through the hurt. She walked through the pain. She walked through the discouragement. She walked through the doubt. And let me tell you what's so beautiful about this story. Everybody knows, and I've shared it before, she eventually marries Boaz. In chapter 4, she marries Boaz. And they have a son that eventually leads to the lineage of Jesus. But don't miss this. If you, if you don't get anything I say, get this. In Ruth chapter 2, she was working in the field. In Ruth chapter 4, she owned it. Some of you are walking through something today that you're going to eventually own. You're walking through anxiety. But if you keep walking, you're going to own it one day. It's not going to own you. You're going to own it. You're walking through depression. And it owns you right now. But if you keep walking through it, one day you'll own it. You're walking through worry right now. But if you keep walking, even though you're working in it, one day you're going to own it. And all those people, listen, all the people that talk junk about her eventually work for her. Eventually, you won't even be able to hear their voices anymore because you're in a different position. You're in a different place. You're with different people. God's going to take you into a new place. Don't, I'm telling you, for those of you that feel discouraged because you're working through it right now, even though you're working through it, you're on your way to owning it. That's the God we serve. If we just keep walking. And then... <laughs> So Ruth worked alongside the women, the women that were judgmental, the women that talked down, the women who tried to push her back, the women who tried to hold her back. Some people have felt that resistance this week, pushed down, held back. Like something's been said about you, something's been said to you, and you just feel like giving up. But there was something inside of Ruth that would not let her give up. She kept walking in the field, even though it was hot, and even though it was messy, and even though it was dirty, she walked through it. And, and scripture tells us she gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. And then she continued working. The barley harvest was over. She's like, oh, what, what? oh, another opportunity? I'll take it. There's another opportunity? Yeah. So then she continued working with them through the wheat harvest in the early summer, all the while she lived with her mother-in-law. I'm telling you, Somebody in here needs to hear this today. I'm praying that you would have the faith to just keep walking. Because what you're working in right now, eventually God's going to bring you to the place where you own it. You just keep walking. I'm hoping that somebody today would have the courage to ask God, God, fill me with the faith that I need to keep walking. I know it's hard, but God wants somebody to hear you keep walking. I know you're beat down, but God wants somebody to hear keep walking. I know you feel discouraged, but God wants somebody to hear keep walking. Have the faith to believe that no matter what happens, God's going to keep leaving handfuls of blessing. And one of these days, you're going to own what you're going through. You're going to look back on it and say, I, I didn't necessarily enjoy going through it, but God brought me through it. I'm on the other side, and I can celebrate I was never alone. I was never by myself. He was always by my side. He never left me. He never abandoned me. He never forsake me. And just like God was with Ruth, God is with you. In your hard times, that time you cried yourself to sleep, he was right there. That time that you thought about giving up, he was right there. He is the God that never leaves, 
never abandons us and never forsakes us. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I wanna thank you, God, that there has never been a fire that we've walked through that you weren't right with us. There has never been a sea that we walked through that you didn't part the waters. God, you are at work. You are awesome. You are great. And God, you are speaking faith over so many of us today. I pray, God, that we would celebrate the fact that we can see the light, we can see who you are, we can see what you're doing, and God, we know that you have greater things in store for us than the best really is yet to come. Jesus, I want to thank you today for allowing us to be in this place. Father, right now with the heads bowed and eyes closed, I pray that you would speak over us today, that you would tell that tired person, that you will tell that worn out, weary person, just keep walking, just keep doing the next right thing because you're about to step into a place where you start picking up handfuls of favor, handfuls of blessing, handfuls of grace, handfuls of mercy, handfuls of hope. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now, maybe you need to ask God, God, fill me with the faith to just keep walking. Fill me with the faith, God, to believe that that, that the best is yet to come. Fill me with the faith, Jesus, to do the next right thing. Maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You know that that's your next step. You need to accept Christ into your life. If that's you right where you stand right now or watching online, I want you to pray this prayer. Just pray this prayer in your heart with me. You can just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, I want you to do me a favor and shoot your hand up in the air, shoot it straight up in the air because I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray with you, I wanna celebrate with you. If you're online, you can do the hand raise emoji. Father, I wanna thank you so much that there has never been a single Sunday that you haven't saved someone in our church. Father, I wanna thank you so much that there has never been a single Sunday where you did not move. God, I wanna thank you that you're still alive and that you still speak to your people. I wanna pray that as we leave today, we would walk out of this place with faith, knowing that your best, our best days are still in front of us. God, we would walk out of here with courage, willing to walk through the labels that other people have tried to place on us. And we would walk out of here with the knowledge of knowing that you love us, you take care of us. We've never walked through a fire where you weren't with us. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for all that you've done, all you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody that agreed said, amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Because I'm glad you came. And we'll see y'all again next week. God bless y'all have an amazing week.